We're in a brand new series called um, Hungry. And what we're saying in this series is that we want to stir up an appetite for Jesus. That in this series, what we're saying, and this is what we've been saying for the last, uh, this is going to be the third week, we've been saying that that which you feed is that which you long for more. Why does the alcoholic want more beer? It's easy, because he drinks. See, if you feed it, you don't get full of it, you want more of it. Why does the addict want more drugs? Simply, he does drugs. Because if you feed it, the, the, why does uh, the person who struggles with eating disorders either want, why? Because what you feed, you grow an appetite for. And so we're trying to feed you Jesus. We're trying to feed you Jesus and his beauty and his wonder, and we want to stir up your affections, stir up your appetite for Jesus, for Jesus. So, so we're praying that we're, we're doing that, and we've done that for the last two weeks. We've talked about stirring that up. And today we're going to talk about one of the most profound, one of the most profound revelations in the scripture. And it's simply this. God is Father. God is Father. Now, that's a rough one for some of us to take because of our experiences with our own Father. Now, I don't know what your story is. I know that my father wanted me aborted uh, before I was born. Um, and I was born in 73, so it was just in time to be aborted. And, um, and my mom wouldn't do it. And the relationship that we've had has been a very deeply painful one. Um, I don't know what your relationship is like with your dad, but when I reach out to my father and uh, try to connect with him and love him, uh, the last time, uh, he screamed at the top of his voice not to call him again. I don't know what the relationship with your dad is like. But when I think of father, uh, it conjures up painful, um, painful images. What do you think about when you think about father? Because God says, I'm your father. I'm like a father to you. Father. What do you think about when you think about God as your father? Well, we, many of us know that the way you think about your earthly father will affect deeply about how you think about your heavenly father. So if your earthly father was impossible to please, then you'll think that God in heaven is impossible to please. If your earthly father only paid attention to you when you got the A's and you cleaned the room and you did what you were supposed to do, then you'll think that the only way to get the affections of the Father in heaven is by getting the biblical A's and cleaning up your life. And You see, the way you think of your earthly father will be in many ways the way you think of your heavenly father. It's kind of like this. We see our earthly father, and our father beats this drum. And this is the relationship that we have with him, right? He beats this drum. 
and it's critical or loving, it's kind or mean, it's abusive or whatever it is. And what we think is that God is simply a bigger version. See, God is not a bigger version of your earthly father. God is a perfect version of your earthly father. In other words, if your father always had the right motives and always made the right decisions and always said the right words and always was affectionate in the right way, that, if your father was like that, he would be more like the father in heaven. If he loved you perfectly, if your earthly father loved you perfectly, and thought about you in ways that lifted you up, then he would be more like your heavenly father. But that's just not what we experience, isn't it? Now, being a father myself, I extend grace to my own dad because I'm pretty sure I'm going to need it from my own kids. (laughs) I have five children. And so I'm pretty sure that at least one of them, if not more, are going to be in some psychiatrist thing talking, you don't know. What that man put us through. And of course, my response will be, yeah, but if you'd have gotten it as bad as I got it, you'd be in a a psychiatrist's chair a lot sooner. To which my father would say, yeah, but if you would have gotten it as bad as I got it. See? But we think that our heavenly father is just a bigger version of our earthly father. And what it does is it prevents us from seeing God as he is a loving father who wants to have deep relationship with us. I know this is emotional for many of us, but it's where we find, it's where we find ourselves in Psalm 103. In Psalm 103, we're going to see God as father, one who cares and loves, one who's there when we blow it, one who will draw to us, even as he draws us to himself. And so what I want you to do is as you look at God as a perfect father, I want you to try to suspend some of the images that you have of your heavenly father, I mean of your earthly father. Because here's the big lesson for today. This is the big lesson. I don't want you to forget this. When it comes to God, he is your father, but he's not your old man. He's your father, but he's not your old man. The king of the universe is a perfect God who loves you perfectly and will be with you in intimate ways, even when you're at your worst, even when you want nothing. And listen to me. There are some of you here, and I don't know why you're here. We all come for different reasons. Like some of us just like it's warmer in here than it is out there. This is, I tell people... I tell people, listen, the best place in the universe to nod out is right in this room on Sunday mornings. It's, it's a great place. And uh, I, I tell people, listen, I don't care why you come. I just know that if you're here, God got you here. And I don't know how he got you here. But I do know that he got you here, and he wanted you to know that he's your father. But he's not your old man. And that whatever issues you have with your old man, you can find resolution in your heavenly Father. 
So we're going to read some scriptures today from Psalm 103. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. I want us all to stand as we read God's word because it's God's word. And I want you to see this. Let's read it all together. This is a great, a great passage for all of us. One, two, three. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him, and His righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. This is God's Word. Please have a seat. So, let's look at what we learn from this. Now remember, He's your father, but he's not your old man. And some of the stuff that you're going to have to work out in your own heart, we can't do in a message, but we're going to ask that God would help you with this. Help me with this. Because I'm telling you, God is so much better than you think. God is so much more wonderful than you can imagine. So let's look at the text. The text says, as a father, let's just pause right there. As a father. This is so important. As a father. I remember the first time I got this kind of concept. Um, Jesus talks about this. This is all throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus talks about it. If you, being evil, know how to good give, give good gifts to your children, how much more so does the Father in heaven give to you? It's an incredible, incredible truth. He's our father. He's our father. And so... If he's our father, then we need to learn how to live like children, not orphans. Would you write that down? If God is our father, then we're going to need to learn how to live like children and not orphans. You know, so much of my Christian walk, I live like an orphan. I live like a person who has no recourse. Like, everything is up to me. If it's got to happen, I better get on it. I better work long hours. I better do what I have to do. I better work hard. better do everything that I need to do. And, And you know what I'm doing when I'm behaving this way? I'm not acting like a child. I'm acting like an orphan. Some of, that's my story. But I've been here for a long time. And that's, that's your story too, isn't it? When push comes to shove, you act like there's no one to call. You know what orphans do, right? Orphans, when they need help with their college tuition, you know what they do, right? They just work harder. Because they've got no one to call. You know what orphans do when they land themselves in jail? You know what they do? They just do their time because they have no one to go to. You know what orphans do when they're struggling with an addiction? 
they just keep on struggling in silence. You know why? Because there's no one to help them. When you live as an orphan, when you live as a person without a family, it is a desperate and lonely place. And the Bible says that we are not to live, we are not to live as orphans, we're to live as children. Why? Because he's our father, not our old man. But you know what? We will stumble and we will fall and we will come across great loneliness and pain if we don't get this truth. We're his children. We're not orphans. As a father, receive him as such. Receive him as such. Not only does God say that, but we read on in verse 13. Forgive my back. As a father has compassion. So everybody say that word with me. Compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So God wants us to remember that if he's our father, that we're to live as children and not orphans. And if he has compassion on us, we're to live intimate. Not distant. The word compassion here, the Hebrew scholars tell us that the word compassion here is a deep, deep affection. Like an affection that can hardly be controlled. Like an affection that would lay down his life for those he has affection over. Beloved, we're to be intimate with God, not distant. That means, listen to me, that means if you are struggling with God, this is not the time to get distant from. If you're struggling with sin, this is not the time to be distant from God. If you're struggling, God wants intimacy. And that means if you're to be intimate, that you need to be vulnerable. Now, here's the good news. God was vulnerable first. God was vulnerable, vulnerable first. Like you want to see the vulnerability of God? He's stripped naked. Arms spread out, lifted up on two beams. The king of the universe made himself vulnerable to men. That's like me making myself vulnerable to an ant. He was made vulnerable so that you could be intimate. Don't turn your back from that. He's your father. He loves you. What are you going to tell him? What are you going to tell him that he doesn't know? Oh, uh, uh, Father, I struggle with same-sex attraction. He goes, I know. I struggle with uh, lust. I know. I struggle with greed. Did you just get that now? I said, like, what could you possibly tell God that he doesn't already know? That's why, that's why our church, not this building, but the believers that congregate, the people, you and me, as we get together, that's why we should be the most truthful and loving people in the history of the world. 
That means when someone comes up to me and says, man, you know, I messed up with my wife and, you know, I yelled at her, man, and she didn't deserve it. I go, man, you are a horrible husband. Let's go pray to Jesus. I'm a horrible husband too. See, there's intimacy in vulnerability. But what many of us do, what we try to do is, could you imagine this? We hide on God. How crazy is that? I have a three-year-old son. And the way he hides on me is hysterical. Like, he'll hide on me like this. Like, dude, you're right there. You would make this game a little bit more challenging if you would go somewhere. But you know what? We do that all the time. You know what we do? Like this. God can't see me. God can't see me. God can't see me. And God is going. Please, I want to be intimate with you. Yeah, but God, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I know. Let me, let me, let me love you well, even as you feel like you're losing your mind. Yeah, but God, I don't have anything. I lost the house. I lost the money. I lost the job. He goes, yeah, but you haven't lost me. Come here. Come here. There's an intimacy. And many of us are missing out on this because because you think that your sin is greater than God's grace. It's nuts. It's nuts. That's why when people lie to me, and I get lied to a lot, it, I don't know about you, but when people, um, when people lie to me, and this happens, and, uh, you know, be a pastor, see if you don't get a whole bunch of lies, right? When, when people lie to me, I, I don't always feel the necessity to correct them, right? I just, I don't, I, yeah, that's a lie. Because, you know, people defend themselves and all that stuff, and I found that it doesn't really serve anything. Um, but I listen to them lovingly, and I, I pray that God would give me a moment to present them with the gospel so that they could be as messed up as they are. Just be as messed up as you are. You are a drunken, lying thief. <laughs> Hallelujah. God loves me. You are a loud, rebellious wife. Hallelujah. God loves me. You are a hypocrite of the worst kind. Hallelujah. There's an intimacy that when we stay close and that when we receive his fatherliness, there's an intimacy that's gotten that we could be as messed up as we are and not have to defend ourselves, not have to correct everybody. I'm not like that. I'm not like that. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah I am. I am, and it's okay. Because he's my pop. He's my father. But he's not my old man. Let's look at verse 14. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. This is awesome. This is so awesome. Because we're to live by grace. We're to live by grace. Not condemnation. Condemnation. We're to live by grace, not condemnation. Now, this is important. Now, we talked a lot about this last week. We talked about how God is your shame taker. He takes away your shame. And he takes away. So, how bad are you? How bad is the past? How many sins have you committed? How many secrets do you have? How many skeletons do you have in your closet? Here's what we do. We run to grace. 
And this is awesome. Because God says, listen to what he says. He says, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like flowers of the field. The wind blows, verse um, 15, now going into 16. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. Aren't you grateful that God takes you no matter what you... Prince, uh, oh man, I, I love... Did, you, did anybody here lo- like Prince music? I was a big fan of Prince music. I wish... Yeah, so I'm a big Prince fan, right? And he had this one line in this song. It was such a cool line. He goes, and he was singing it to a girl, but I, I was singing, I, in my heart, I sung it to Jesus. He was like, he goes, when I am with you, girl, I have no past. Isn't that a great song? Isn't that a great line? When I'm with you, girl, I have no past. And it just reminds us that when we are with the Lord, we have a past that is forgiven and taken. And the punishment that you and I deserve and the punishment that you and I should receive is given to Jesus. We live by grace, not condemnation. And therefore, we can walk with great encouragement because God's grace gives us strength for today. That means, listen to me, that means, are you struggling with temptations? Are you struggling with emotions? God will give you the grace. You know, the, the world will tell you the best way to deal with the temptation is to give into it. You know that, right? The best way to deal with the temptation, God says, no, 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 my grace is sufficient for you. The world will tell you if you suffer deeply, if you go through suffering, if you go through pain, if your body starts to break down, if the cancer returns, if the wife leaves, if you suffer deeply, then it's because you've done something wrong or you've sinned or you, right? And God says, no, 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 I'll give you grace to suffer well. I'll give you grace to remember. Listen. I know that when you and I suffer, we can think that God doesn't care about us. We, do, we can think that God doesn't love us. That is simply not true. Here's what we know. I don't know why you suffer. Why you suffer. Some of our suffering is self-inflicted wounds. Isn't it true? Right? You know, we, we did it to ourselves. But even with our self-inflicted wounds, we can run back to God and ask for grace And not just grace to get out of the pain, but grace to see the sin for what it was, if it's a self-inflicted wound, to see the sin for what it was and ask God to remove our affections for the idol that we pursue when pursuing that sin. And he gives us grace, not condemnation. We just said just before, we know you're a mess. This is the good news about being in this church. If you're here, man, look to the person to the right of you. Go ahead, go ahead, look to the person. Look to the person to the left, right? right? Every person you just saw is a mess. Every person. Every person. Matter of fact, let's do that. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you're a mess. You're a mess. You're a mess full of grace. You're a mess full of the grace of God. You've blown it, and you're full of the grace of God. You've you've done wicked things, full of the grace. Now, who am I speaking to? I'm speaking to Christians. I'm speaking to Christians. If you're not a Christian, then your condemnation is deserved. This is coming from a cat who most of his life wasn't. I can't say that anymore because I'm getting old. But um, (laughs) half of his life wasn't a Christian. 
I did not grow up in a Christian home. I did not. I, I was a complete atheist. Was gonna be eventually when I was starting to look at spirituality. I was gonna be a Buddhist. I was studying the uh, eightfold path, and and that was really that. That was my path. That's and God interrupted me. But here's the thing: when you have those time, when those when you have those moments where you think back to the things that you feel shame and condemnation over, you have no one to take on your sin. You have no one to take your shame. You have to deal with that yourself. And one of the ways you can do it is you can live life on a scale. You've seen this, right? Where it's, you know, the scale, and if you put more weight over here, and you put, you know, this one goes down, or this one goes down, and if you put more weight over here, this one goes down. And your hope in life is to live that your good outweighs your bad. Good luck with that. Here's what I know about me. I know that I don't have that level of creativity and imagination to possibly think that the good things that I've ever done in my life have outweighed the bad. It's just, cross a thousand little old ladies across the street to see if that makes up for one broken heart that you made. Save a hundred souls from the fire and see, from a, from a flaming building, and see if that takes away the the life that you took. It's just nothing you can do. Go ahead and adopt, is it like, right? Have your own kids, mess it up with them, and then adopt 50 more kids and see if that makes, and treat them really well and see if that makes up for your bad parenting here. It never does. It never does. And so Jesus goes, since you can't make it up, here's an idea. Why don't we have a penalty for it and I'll pay for it? And we'll get rid of this. Get rid of it. And Jesus, because he knows that you're dust, he knows that you're weak, says, you know what you need? You need a father, but you need a relationship with him, and you don't have it right now. I'll pay the price to have that relationship, and I'll hang on the cross for you. It's intimate. It's gracious. It's powerful. You're his child. And then let's look at... um, the next verse. If, if God is our father, and remember, he's our father, he's not our old man. If God is our father, then we're going to have to rehearse the gospel, not legalism. Okay. So what that means is that if God is the, our Father, then we need to take time each day and remember that He's our Father. Amen. Remember that He loves us. That at your worst, He is there. That when you've blown it, He still loves you. That when you've totally messed everything up, God is still there. How can we do that? Well, we can think. We can take some time in the morning, take some time in the evening, take some time throughout the day where we pause and we start thinking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That I'm worse than I think, but he's loved me. Are you lonely? He'll never leave nor forsake. Have you sinned? There's forgiveness for sin. Have you no idea how to move forward? God knows. Listen to me. Legalism says The way to righteousness is to do righteous things. 
That's why some of you feel such condemnation. You've been in this church, I've been preaching this for years, and you still live like the way to get approval from God is to do better, to try harder. I, just, I don't even know what to say to you at this point. You, just, you listen with bro- broken ears. We're talking about the gospel. There's nothing you can do to earn this. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Listen, anything other than Jesus as your righteousness is legalism. You cannot finish. You cannot do well. No matter how good you are, you cannot. And what we do is we rely on Christ's righteousness, not our own. 